Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hey everybody, trust you well. Uh, Apologise that um, this may not be as professional as some might like it to be. Um, I'm not a boffin who's got all the cameras and the microphones and all that. We're doing our best and I'll try and do better. Uh, But I hope the uh, quality of this is good enough at least for you to receive something in your spirit. It's very organic. It's me sat down in my living room talking to you and I wish I could see you. But anyway, um, I pray that what we have to say today will help you and be a blessing to you because I have some specific things I want to try and convey and bring you to. What do you believe about the current situation? See, we don't all believe the same thing. Some of you uh, will believe everything that you're being told. Some of you will question everything that you're being told. Some of you, if you are a compliant, will feel you have no option but to take on board every little thing that is said. Others of you are a little bit more rebellious, may have a different view on that. Um, If you are a conspiracy theorist, then you are going to be convinced that... uh, that stuff's being done for a reason, probably to cull the population. If you are a sceptic, you are going to be um, upset with the people who are saying stuff and upset with the conspiracists and probably upset with yourself as well. If you're an introvert, you think that heaven has come to earth. Uh, If you're an extrovert, you will have no clue what to do two weeks into the shutdown. And uh, we feel for you and... uh, May you be blessed and helped and be able to come to peace. And hopefully what I have to say today may help you as well. Also, a big, big uh, shout out, particularly to Chris uh, today, who works so hard every week to um, put together the, the, the program that we have on Sundays, which, um, which does not translate to this medium and this form of um, of expression it needs to be live and in the building and uh, so we're not doing that but uh, it doesn't mean that 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 she and Danny are not doing anything we're doing other things but I just wanted to say a big thank you to uh, particularly to Chris for the hard work she puts in on that and uh, so you've got me uh, in a different mode and 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 in a different form but uh, hopefully receiving something from it and also being helped until we um, can all get back together in one place at one time. Um, the truth is that the, our minds become like like the oceans uh, in that there is always a flow and there are tides and currents that happen within this crazy thing that goes on in here. And um, just like the oceans have become clogged with non-decomposable packaging um, that floats around and... Uh, causes the problems it does so i think our minds um particularly in respect to the beliefs that we wrestle with and um 
probably many of those flawed beliefs, and I'll 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 say where some of those come from a little later. They they tend to clog us up, and then and then our ability to flow creatively and with some sense of purity and innocence, and I think our ability to 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 be at peace becomes seriously compromised because we're bombarded from all sides and in all mediums with all these things that we're supposed to believe. Um, if you think that your peace will come from what you believe, I hope to show you today that you are mistaken and to show you how to get past the flaw of, of, of belief and dogma being perceived to be the thing that will bring you to peace. I hope to get you past that to see that 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 state can be achieved, but not by that means. Um, I want to bring you to a place where you can honestly say from deep conviction, all will be well. Um, when we solve any problem, and we're facing a problem at the moment, not just the bigger worldwide problem of uh, coronavirus, uh, but the the substratus of problems that creates for us. If, if you are high vulnerability, um, that's a particular problem. If you have kids who can't go to school and you've got to work, that's a particular problem. If your workplace can't function uh, because of the shutdown, that's a particular problem. And then there's all the mental problems. I mean, for those of you who uh, maybe struggle with things like OCD and uh, um, have had problems with depression and mental health issues, um, you know, I appreciate that this situation creates a whole new set of problems for you guys. And we just pray that uh, you will come through and that we can help you come through. And uh, the wider society, obviously, is in a, a similar situation um, to this. So, so, so problems, many, many manifestations of, of problem and the problem. Um, but I heard something this week that, that I think is, is really helpful in that. And, and it's this, that when, whenever we solve any problem, we say that we found a solution. Now, isn't that fascinating? Because a solution is, is a liquid. And um, therefore, uh, this proposal is suggesting that to create a solution, something must melt. What a fascinating, fantastic concept that to solve a problem, something must melt. To solve a problem, something must melt. To create a solution to the problem, something must melt. Now, the question would be, in order to create the solution, what is it that must melt? Um, is it resistance to simply believing and accepting whatever one is told, which would be the authoritarian system, and therefore believing that that um, you have inerrancy and infallibility? And, and may I just say on that one that I do not believe, converse with anybody about this, that that um, the Bible is or was ever meant to be infallible or inherent. Now, I hope that doesn't make you shut off from this video. We talk, we have a conversation. Remember, 
The problem with the way I was raised and many of you were raised is that we weren't raised to have a conversation. We were, we were raised to defend a dogma. Therefore, we never learned anything beyond what it was we were told. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that um, in a little while. So what is it that must melt? I believe what must melt are the beliefs that we have developed that have now become the non-decomposable packaging that floats around in the ocean of our mind that now begins to pollute our ability to embrace, engage, receive, sustain life in all its fullness, which is what we are encouraged, even by the word of Jesus, uh, to engage and receive so what I want to encourage you today to become is firm in your faith, but unstable in your beliefs. See, beliefs are not the solution because beliefs are things that are developed by certain means and methods, which I will, which I will talk about um, in, in, in just a little while. But there is a difference between faith and belief and I want to encourage you today to become firm in your faith but unstable in your beliefs um, I think within that there is a potentiality that that could cause you to see a miracle if you will allow um, some of those beliefs to dissolve you will find the solution to the problem which is one of a lack of peace and an inability to fully hold the conviction that all will be well. So, so I want you to be confirming your faith, unstable in your beliefs. Um, so then the question we would have to wrestle with two questions here. What is faith? What is what is belief? So so let's let's deal with that. So what is faith? This this would be how I would define it. For today's talk, faith is the inner conviction that all will be well. Faith is the inner conviction that all will be well. So question, do you have it? Do you have it? Do you have right now an inner conviction that all will be well? If, if those beliefs that you hold have not and do not dissolve, then you'll have no solution to the problem that you're facing. And so you can't be in the place where there is an inner conviction that, that, that all the time is speaking into your very being, all will be well. Um, many, many verses of Bible we could take to talk about faith, and that, that's not my intention today my intention is just to draw one or two out just to to support my proposal that faith is the inner conviction that all will be well <clears throat> and to and reinforce the encouragement i want to give you to be firm in faith but unstable in your beliefs so Hebrews 11 verse 1 is a classic faith and I'm going to take some words out to try and help you get a grasp on what we mean by faith today. 
So let me put it this way. Now, faith is substance. Faith is substance. It's not a fantasy. It's not an imagination. It is actually substance. Now, it may not be matter, i.e. material, in that you can touch it in the normal way that you can touch anything that's solid. But faith is substance. Also, I'm taking some words out, but, but let me give you another one. Faith is evidence. Now, this thing begins with now faith, and we could talk about how it's the faith you have now. It's what is within you resident at this moment that is substance and is evidence. Now, also remember that evidence in a legal, um, in a legal context can be circumstantial as well as material. So not everything that's real is matter. Do you like the mug today? Wonder Woman. It's Chris's mug that I've stolen today. Maybe get me in touch with my feminine side or maybe my superhero side or maybe my superhero feminine side. I don't know. You can be the judge of that. So, so faith is substance and faith is evidence. Those are intelligible, manifest, real things. Substance and evidence. However, there is a substance to faith that cannot be defined purely by mathematical, materialistic or scientific methods. Or in other words, it's, it, it's real, but it's not matter. It's evidence, but it's not physical. And yet its expression will have a substantial physical impact upon the whole being. Because I would say it's substance, the substance of faith, when applied to the most dire situations, can produce a peace and a purpose that is not seemingly commensurate with the situation itself. That could be on a battlefield, it could be in the middle of a family trial, it could be in the loss of a job, it could be in, in on a hospital ward. We know that that exists, that somehow in those situations, there's something that, that's not commensurate with the situation, a peace and a purpose. And uh, I would say that is the substance and the evidence uh, that becomes manifest when faith is present. It's almost otherworldly. Uh, maybe maybe that's because it is otherworldly, but perhaps faith is the fusion element between matter and spirit, between the seen and the unseen, between the visible and the invisible. Perhaps this, this thing that we call faith is what connects those things together, but brings into our existence something that is not produced by by convenience, circumstance, um, uh, everything being okay outwardly at the moment. This this is probably the thing that makes the difference. It, 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 and, and in response to the to the um, prosperity idea of faith, um, it was never about money or mansions 
are manifestations of one kind or another. It, it was and will always be about inner well-being. Faith is about inner well-being. And there are some phraseologies that other people outside the Christian tradition might use for, for the journey that they have engaged on. But at the end of the day, they're really talking about faith because faith was and will always be about inner well-being. It's about what happens in here rather than what's happening out there. And um, if you find that place of inner well-being, that's the place where mountains are truly moved into the sea. Now, you know, some of the famous words of Jesus quoted inside and outside the church were, if you have faith like a mustard seed, um, then you'll speak to the mountain and you'll cast it and it will be cast into the sea. Uh, if you think about that, it really is fascinating in the context of what we have proposed because because mountains are matter, material, the sea is a solution, and the solution is the dissolving of the mountain, the mountain cast into the sea, okay? The, the problem melting into the sea. And, uh, you know, whatever the mountains of your beliefs are, sometimes they need to be taken and... Uh, moved into the sea so that you can find a solution to the problem of your mountain. So if this is the truth about faith, the question would be, where does one get it? Well, I think the Apostle Paul makes an attempt at, at uh, addressing this question. When in, in Romans 10 verse 17 in the Bible, he says, so then faith comes. So so how does one get it? Well, one doesn't get it by striving, by working hard, by praying long, by any of those things that we think you work to obtain some kind of perceived spiritual position or superiority or create a class system of the haves than the have not. Uh, faith comes, and I do believe that. Um, for all of you today, I would encourage you, if you're feeling this is not you and you don't have that inner conviction that all will be well, faith comes, faith comes. And I'm going to try and try and um, just briefly explain to you how I think faith comes, but faith comes. Um, and I'm going to put a few words. I took a couple of words out before I'm going to put a few words in here. Faith comes, he says, by hearing, but I'm going to say by a certain kind of hearing. Um, it doesn't just come by listening to people. Uh, and opinions and whatever it comes by a certain kind of hearing and, and he says that hearing is by the word of God let, let me simplify that for many of you today um, it, it's, it doesn't mean about reading bible verses or quoting bible verses I don't believe that that's that's certainly not the context I'm not going any further into that but remember right at the beginning of the biblical narrative when we have the dark formless void now again this is not i believe an attempt to scientifically explain how all things came into being i think it's much more important than that much much more important than that i i think it's helping us to appreciate uh how where why and in what life comes, does come, can come, will come. 
And uh, so we start with chaos. What are we facing right now in our world? Chaos, it's chaotic. We've got rules, we don't, we, we've, we've gotten into stuff, we don't know how to get out of it, we don't know what will happen when we do get out of it. And a lot of us in our lives uh, replicate this model many, many times of painting ourselves into a corner is the, is the phrase that's often used uh, in our attempts to try and uh, solve the problem we won't let beliefs dissolve. So we finish up painting ourselves into the, the corner. So, so in this model, we have chaos and the dark formless void. And this narrative says, and, and, and God said, let there be. That's, that's the beginning introduction to, let's call it a word from God, a word from source, a word from the one at the beginning, um, the energy, the power, the being, however you wish to see it, in the beginning. It gives us the model right at the beginning that out of chaos, through the dark, formless void, comes a let there be. How does it address the problem? With a let there be. That's a forward momentum of spirit power coming into, out of, and through a chaotic situation to change what the creative process is and to bring creation, creative energy, beauty, wholeness, healing, health, life out of the chaos. And I have no reason whatsoever to believe that that model has ever changed. I think we witness it in nature. I think we witness it in biology. I think we witness it in science. And I think our understanding of uh, of um, of molecular physics and our understanding of of uh, of um, uh, uh, cell structures and all of those kind of things um, that, uh, that 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 we have been learning recently from the scientific community and talking about and debating um, ourselves in what's known as quantum physics uh, absolutely bear this out that there is something going on in the middle of all this, in the unseen, in the invisible, full of potentiality, full of life. And uh, I think it's faith that becomes the interface between those two worlds um, that allows substance and evidence to become the proof of the existence of the faith that now allows the full flow of all that to come in so that there can be an inner conviction uh, that flows in us at all times that all will be well. Um, faith is not a belief. Faith is a conviction. A belief is something that you hold. A conviction is something that holds you. That's why I would distinguish of the difference between belief and faith. A belief is something you hold. A conviction is something that holds you. So we've talked a little bit about faith, but, but let's just balance that out and then tie the two together. How is belief formed? Um, the psychologists tell us that belief is formed in two ways, and, and I agree with them. And those two ways that belief is formed are, number one, experiences. 
So we may think our beliefs are just the result of our incredible ability to be so intelligent and to read life um, so accurately through our own amazingness. Um, but actually our, our beliefs are formed first and foremost by our experiences. Uh, you know, how much of my embracing of Christian faith and belief um, has come from my experiences of being in a, a most wonderful family, a loving family, but where loving God was central, believing the Bible was central, believing in Jesus was central, and many, many things around that. Um, that, I can honestly say, was was a huge formulator of my beliefs. The same can be said of an atheist household or a Buddhist household or a, or a, a Muslim household, um, um, an agnostic household. Those, those same things can be said. And, of course, then you come down to the more human, uh, uh, emotional side of things, you know, that what we believe about our fathers, what we believe about family, what we believe about how safe we are, what we believe about governments, what we believe about money, are all things that have been developed in us as a result of our experiences. Now, of course, the problem with that is if the experience develops in us a defective belief and we continue to grow that belief, then that defective belief is not going to suddenly become an effective belief. It's just going to be a mechanism that we use to justify the decisions that we make in life. I've got a statement about that in a moment. Let me let me just give you the second way that that belief is formed. It's it's formed by accepting what others tell us to be true. And I don't care how much we think we are resistant to that. Uh, all of us succumb to that. Uh, developing beliefs by accepting what others tell us to be true. Uh, so experiences and accepting what others believe to tell us to be true are the way that psychologists tell us that beliefs are formed. Uh, belief is the single most defining influence on who we become and how we decide what our response will be. And yet I would say that beliefs our energy-saving shortcuts to relieve ourselves of the challenges posed by a journey into faith. So we adopt beliefs to save the energy that would be necessary to face the challenges posed by a journey into faith. Now, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about at this moment and have begun that journey. Some of you... We'll have to take that on board and have a think about it. But to solve the problem, something has to dissolve, okay? And that's usually beliefs. Um, here's the problem with beliefs. They're expressions of what we think about something rather than how we think within something. Faith is not focused on what you think about something, but how you think within it. That's why faith trumps belief every day of the week, every week of the year, 
for the whole of life in the context of having within you an inner conviction that all will be well. When the Bible talks about faith, it's more expressing a faith, a space or a state of inner trust than a dogma of belief. And uh, that's what I'm wanting to, to bring to you in challenge today. You know, the Bible doesn't say, and without belief, it's impossible to please God. The Bible actually says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Um, I don't think that means that God's miserable and waiting for you to do some incredible act in order for him to be happy. I think the point is is drawing the distinction between between uh, belief, what we think about something rather than than what we think within something, um, rather than faith, um, how we think within a within a thing. Okay. So, so let me try and wind this up. I hope my thoughts and ramblings are making some sense to you. So, if faith is an inner conviction. To get a conviction, there must first be a trial. The wilderness is usually the courtroom, biblically speaking. It was in the Exodus story of the children of Israel. And I call it the Exodus story because the whole point of this wilderness thing being used to to communicate with with these people and obviously down the ages historically coming to us was was to communicate with them how you come out of and into um, um, how you get a solution how the problem is dissolved I you know being raised in church used to hear people say that um, it took a day to get the children of Israel out of Egypt. And the story was they were in bondage in Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. A day to get Israel out of Egypt, 40 years to get Israel out of Egypt. That That's a long time. And, and hopefully it doesn't take us that long to get the the belief thing out that stands in the way of faith in us but then again maybe it doesn't probably in my own life uh, I've been on a 40-year journey sadly um, to come to the place that that I've come to now the point I'm trying to make here is that the wilderness is used as an example you know we think of the wilderness the desert place the the hardship the loneliness the challenge uh, that's kind of the courtroom where you're on trial where I'm on trial you got the same thing with the Jesus story when he goes into the wilderness, the desert and the story of him being tempted uh, by the devil for 40 days, uh, 40 nights. Um, I'm not sure that was a personal manifestation of some, for want of a better word, horn figure. Um, I think often, well, I think definitely the greatest devil that we face with accusations against us and bringing that same challenge, if you think you are, if you are who you think you are, prove it. I, I think that's a battle within us. I think it's a, a devil within us. I think it's it's something we have to face to to find who we really are, who we believe we were made to be, who God says that I am, what God feels about me. 
that all that all comes in the in the courtroom of wilderness experience um and the whole thing of that becomes that it's not how you got into it that matters, but how you come out of it, right? So the, the whole, you know, if you use the Israel thing, it's not how you got into this that really matters. It's how you get out of it that matters, where you come to, out of and into. Um, the same with the Jesus story. It's not how you go into it that matters. It's it's how you come out of it. And it talks about coming out in power, uh, with a fresh revelation, a fresh understanding, or in other words, uh, a going from belief to faith, because now uh, it's become an inner conviction that all will be well. It's not become something that you hold, it's become something that now holds you, and that changes everything. Uh, so if faith's an inner conviction, to get a conviction there must be a trial, our wilderness experiences, which which this may be one of them now for you, is the courtroom. Um, and the end of any trial is either an acquittal or a conviction. Um, I would say that we need to experience both. We need to experience acquittal. You know, that means getting let off, get no case to answer. Um, accusations are wrong. You are free. You're a free man. You're a free woman. That's what acquittal means. And uh, we need to experience acquittal in the sense of being free from the lie of separation that leads us to self-condemnation and distorted beliefs about God and self. This is what's been fed if you've been in the church community for any length of time or any religious background. This lie of separation, you're separated from God, you're no God, self-condemnation. And then that develops these distorted beliefs about God and self. You need to be acquitted of that today. Um, uh, this is what Paul says. Nothing, no thing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ. It's present at every level, at cellular level, around you, in you, through you right now. You are acquitted. Nothing can separate you. So, so there is an acquittal from that lie. Okay. So any of you that thought, I don't qualify for this, I'm not good enough for this, lie, you're acquitted of that right now, okay, you are free. But also, we also need the conviction. The conviction, because if you are held by this, by this conviction, you will have infinite reserves of power from within, because you have a confidence that all will be well. There can be no greater power within the human being, the human spirit, the human existence, than an inner conviction all the time, in all things, through all things, that all will be well. That inner conviction is the expression and manifestation of faith. So there's lots of debate, conversation, lots of stuff flying around. I'm asking you to be willing, if you want to solve the problem, if you want a solution to the problem, to let all those beliefs be fluid, let them come to a place where they can melt. Remember what I said to you to, at the beginning, I want to encourage you to become firm in your faith and stable in your beliefs. You're going to find all sorts of stuff about stuff that 
We were told to believe, not told to believe, whatever. And in your whole life, wherever you hear stuff, you will find that out. I've found that out in my own experience in church life. There's things, beliefs now that have dissolved. And I have found a solution. Um, and, and, you know, the resolution of that comes when we find that space, not of belief, but of faith, which gives us the inner conviction that all will be well. So if you can hear this today, if you can hear this today, then faith will come guaranteed and your experience through all that we're going through will be the inner conviction that all will be well. I pray that over you and I bless you with that little word today. So looking forward to uh, whatever time it is that we can get back together um blessings on all of you if you have a need if you see a need um if you think there might be a need please will you get in touch with us we would like to uh ensure in whatever way we can that we are consciously aware of um of uh, uh any situation that we we can um meet help speak into whatever you can contact me danny the office any of the directors. And uh, again, remember that uh, we don't pastor by uh, by the central idea that, you know, there is, i.e., one pastor, one leader, and uh, that, you know, all the flock must be pastored, personally catered for and cared for on an individual level by that person. If that was left to me, you're going to be in a sorry state because... Um, I am I am by nature an introvert and a detached personality. I can do this and I love to do this. And this is my contribution to all of you. So I would encourage you again, be friends with your friends. Talk to those you talk to. Uh, encourage those you normally get with. Um, in your little subgroups, those are pastoral groups. They're pastoral connections. Care for each other, love each other, speak to each other. And uh, if there is something you find within that that uh, you need further help on or you think uh, something can be passed on, that's where then pass it on to us because we are better at that than all the individual personal things. So uh, we love you all and just play health and strength on you. Glad that Maggie and Dave finally got back from their uh, long cruise and uh, uh, all the stuff that's gone along with that. Um, and uh, we'll just be glad to see all of you uh, when we can all get back together. So love you and bless you, and uh, I'll keep sharing with you my little meanderings as we go along through the week. Bless you, love you, and take care. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash Q Church York. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.